Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very happy to have Günther Müller with us today. He is very excited to be sharing more about the five-step magnetic mind method, and we will discuss this in another episode. <laughs> today, we focused on, yeah, getting to know what Günther is all about and his vision when it comes to the self-help and healer community. All too often we focus on the broken, the things that need to be fixed on the past, on regrets. And he has a very fascinating way to approach healing and self-help. And you will see here in a second when we start our conversation that Günther is all about forward movement without living in denial, living authentically, helping yourself. And in helping yourself, you become a stronger, more reliable individual. And in becoming that person, we can create stronger and more resilient communities around the globe. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this interview with Günther Müller and myself. All right, Aurora, thank you so much for having me here. Pleasure to be on the Borealis Experience today. Super excited to share the five-step magnetic mind method with your listeners. But first, you know, I, I'm a typical man that grew up in New York City, um, left there when I was about 18 years old. And you know, did all the things that society and parents would expect of a man. You know, I was born in 1966, so I'm about 55 years old right now. And I uh, went to Colorado, lived there for about 30 years, kind of following my passion of skiing the big mountains and uh, went to college, got good grades, did things. After that, I've always had this um, bug for being free. Freedom is probably my highest value. So I went to Alaska, did some commercial fishing up there, spent my winters uh, skiing. And then about 1992, I uh, created my, my entrepreneurial experience over the last 30 years. Um, took my experience from seafood and meats and created food distribution businesses. I've been in the restaurant business for about 14 years, sold that, got out of that. I've been in the solar business. I've been in the coffee business last decade, I've been in the medical field, really helping people as an optimal health strategist and training medical professionals on hormone optimization, nutritional optimization. And my latest passion really is in that mental health space or becoming a super conscious creator to really have the life that you love. And, and I look back on my life and I say, you know, there's not much I haven't experienced. I've, I've experienced divorce. I was married for 25 years, experienced infidelity on my ex-wife's part. I do have three amazing children that are super successful. And so just really having to manage all of that, uh, you know, I found a new love of my life now in this part of life. And, uh, you know, I, I look at life very much as the first half of life and the second half of life sometimes. And sometimes we have to have just some experiences to learn things, even though they may be painful and traumatic and unwelcomed at times. But then if you choose to learn from those experiences or start to just view them as experiences, then you get into a better place to choosing what you would love to experience now. 
So, you know, in our short conversation, I, I really understand the audience here as being, you know, men that may struggle with, you know, depression or addiction or having had issues in relationships and stuff like that. Um, and I, I just initially want to put out a word of confidence that no matter where, no matter where you find yourself right now, you can create a life that you love. So that is the, the stance that I'd like to come into. So, and, and I think the confusion that you referenced is I, I do think that men in particular, and, and the women need to know and understand this, is that men have been given so many different signals is what it even means to be a man these days. You know, is it, is it the spectrum of being the real manly, macho, masculine type man? Some women find that attractive. Some people, women, you know, like that kind of thing. Or is it the, you know, the other end of the spectrum of being kind of an emasculated, soft man and not really being that manly expression, you know, of the masculine identity. So there's this huge field where men find themselves in today and not really knowing where to plant their feet. And so what happens a lot of times is men just kind of default and they, you know, not making a choice is still a choice. And so when you default to the non-choice, you basically start living your life in a reactive mode and your choices start becoming ones of consensus. You know, are, do the people around me approve of me or, or, you know, it's not about what I want for my life or what I saw myself doing or what I would love to experience. It's more about is who I am and what I'm doing acceptable to those around me? Or am I choosing from a place of limited choices and not really looking as, you know, the opportunity in an infinite field of possibilities? So that's that's where I really would love the audience to and for us to explore that in a conversation and really just, um, you know, dive into that a little bit. Mm, this is exactly what I wanted to attract onto this platform. I love the way you speak, like it's very easy to understand and follow and it's very clear. And I feel you really see the situation um, how it is like there's a lot of tension also between men and women and power games um, you described earlier that when you hold the door for a woman you have very uh, different reactions so there has to happen a lot of healing on the women's side but also on the men's side and and um Yeah, thank you so much for, for being here and for sharing about your um, your path. It hasn't been an easy one, but you chose to see painful situations as a lesson or as a incentive to change something in your life and, and to focus on something new. Like you're not in a job that bores you. You're not in a job that sucks energy of you. You learn to say goodbye and and move on to something new and and this is like incredible this is uh yeah is strong character and um i'm very pleased to have you here um just before we dive into the the five steps your your program i would like to ask you um when you see like the the different roles that men can take on and women to 
for the future, what would you like to see? How can you imagine that they come back? How can they come back together, form strong relationships, and in doing so, creating stronger, more resilient societies? Yeah, so you bring up a great point. In, in my work today, there's really three main buckets, okay? The main buckets are usually finance and abundance. Uh, the second bucket would be love and relationships. And the third bucket would be health and vitality. And most human call them problems. They fall into one of those buckets. Maybe we'd have a fourth bucket called miscellaneous where something doesn't fit into those. But really, when you look at the human condition, we are seeking less pain and more pleasure in our life. And sometimes we're not even looking for pleasure. We will accept mediocrity or just greater satisfaction to just minimize or suppress any pain that might happen. And so the context I wanna lay out for our listeners is that look, our thoughts and our emotions in the quantum physical reality are not real. They feel real as hell, okay? They, they feel like they are really real and they come and they, they come at us. And a lot of times to avoid pain, we try to sub suppress that what is. We try to put a wet blanket over it and just, you know, push it down so we don't have to feel the feeling. When we, when we get into the science of the personal development movement, and I think what I'm going to share with you today is really a revolution in the personal development movement, because I've been part of it for 30 years and I've, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in that movement and I work with some of the great names in that movement. Um, What I'm here to share with you today is, is the actual quantum physical reality, the science that we know now over the last 40, 50 years, and how it relates to our mental well-being, how it relates to our physical well-being, uh, the biology, the DNA, uh, the neuroplasticity of the brain, auto-suggestion, hypnosis, all these different things, and finally getting to a practical way to craft and create a life that we love. And so it has to happen on the female perspective as well. Women need to make conscious choices about what it is they would love to experience in a relationship and also deal with their fears and their emotions and the pain that maybe they have had in previous relationships, just like men need to do, right? And, if, and the reality is that men and women are wired differently. Let's face that. I mean, I think in our cultural world that we live in, we're trying to blend those boundaries. We're trying to make everything the same and equal. And, and I think just an obvious observation of the way it is, you said that earlier, just, you know, this is the way it is. Look, men and women are different. And I don't think it's ever going to be other than that if you want to tell the truth about it, right? Mm -hmm. There's all this political correctness going on. There's all of this trying to create equality. And I want to back it up a little bit and just say, look, women have true choices that they would love to experience in their life around love and relationships and intimacy, all of those things, right? And men have the same thing. But men really in our cultures have not been able to really speak to that, haven't been taught to really speak to that, don't really think that it's maybe manly to even be in that space that's reflective or contemplative, meditative, maybe, you know, that men really have been put in a position of doing one thing, mainly provider roles, 
right? And there's a certain nature to it, let's say. Maybe it is biological, maybe it is passed through the DNA, maybe things are evolving and things are changing and there's more of a balance between the masculine and the feminine. I mean, it takes a long time for these things to play out. And so, you know, who's list, the people that are listening to us right now need a real life solution right now. And they can't wait decades, you know, to feel better or wait decades to get the results that they want in life. So everything really starts with a first step of really choosing from a place of what would you love to experience? Mm. On both the female side and the male side. And since we're talking primarily to men, I'm going to speak to the men and just be very clear that we need to spend some time really choosing not in the problem solving reality. Because when we try to solve problems, we're focused on the problem. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to put together action steps or ideas that will solve the problem. So maybe there's a man that wants to have a new relationship or a better relationship than the one he had before. And it's like, okay, how do I solve that problem of getting into a relationship that I want? And not a lot of time is really spent on actually creating or visualizing or seeing that with beginning with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. You see, in the quantum physical reality, if you don't really know what you want, and you just say in your own mind that you just want something better than what you had. The old saying is, be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Because it may be slightly better, but it's still really not going to be what you love. Mm -hmm. And unless we recognize some of the self-sabotaging patterns that every human being has, we, we have crafted our identity over a lifetime of experience. So this begins from zero to seven years old. You know, we had to figure out what it's like here. We had to figure out how to get food, how to get a safe place to sleep, how to get attention, how to get love, how to do whatever. There was, you know, as soon as you pop out of the womb into this life, you're figuring out what it's like here and how do I get what I want? And so we make decisions based on decreasing pain and increasing satisfaction. And then when we get into adulthood, some of the decisions that we made, maybe from abusive situations or traumatic situations or less than optimal situations, we made choices about how things were and how to survive and how to get through. And those patterns now exist in the subconscious program. And I'd like everybody to think about their subconscious as kind of like Windows 10 running your computer. When you turn on your computer, you have no idea how that machine works. All you know is that it boots up, it fires up, and you start using it for some productive purpose, but you have no idea how that machine really runs. And every once in a while, Windows 10 pushes an update or iOS pushes an update to your device. You say, okay, I'll, I'll accept the update, and then you restart, and then the machine runs on a new program. Our subconscious program has been crafted through our lifetime. And the, the sabotaging identities that I'm talking about sounds like this. It sounds like I'm not good enough. Now, I'm not good enough to be in a real, satisfying, intimate, loving relationship. Or I'm not worthy of that. Look, I know my character traits and I can't bullshit myself. I know who I am. I know how I've behaved. I know I've done things. So I'm really not worthy of having that kind of a thing. So I'm not even gonna worry about it. Or I'm not capable. 
I don't know how to do those things. I need to go to a class. I need to go to a retreat. I need to get some education before I can do that. I need, I need to gain some capability or things like I'm insignificant. You know, I'm never going to have the relationship that I want because I play small or I'm not big enough or I don't, I'm not courageous enough or I'm not out there enough or the idea of perfection. I'm, I'm not perfect. I can't have what I want until I perfect my personality. I can't have what I want until something gets changed or adjusted. And then another big one is I don't belong. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, another people have, a lot of people have the thought that, you know, they don't even belong to their own family. They feel like a black sheep or they feel like they don't belong where they find themselves. And all of those sabotaging identities are running in the subconscious program. And the identity needs to maintain congruence with the experience that we're having. The only way the experience will change is if the identity shifts because the identity is always congruent with the active experience. And there's only three places we can really be. We can be stuck, meaning nothing's changing. No matter what I do, I'm just stuck. It's the same thing every day, nothing's moving. The second place is a place called oscillation. Oscillation feels like three steps forward, two steps back, one step forward, half step back. And you just feel like you're going back and forth and not really getting where you wanna go. The third state is a place called flow. This is kind of being in the zone where we can turn our thoughts and desires and dreams and what we want into reality. And we've all experienced that from time to time. We've been in states of flow or in the zone where it just feels like whatever I want to create, it's just happening. It happens exactly the way I want it. And things show up the way I want them to show up. And this is a quantum physical reality, right? So that's kind of the context that we find ourselves in is that we need to step out of the problem solving reality to get what we want. We need to come into the creator stance and really spend some time gaining the clarity and truly from a place of loving what we want, choose what we want. And, and you know, you're in a true choice. If I were to ask someone say, why do you want that? And the answer is, I want it just because I want it. I want it just because I would love to experience that. And it's not a stepping stone unto something else. So many times we make choices in our life that are stepping stones to get somewhere else. And therefore, they're not true choices. And it's it's a total quantum shift mindset to really choose the reality that you love. And this is, I'm going to say, foreign to a lot of men. Men have not been taught this. I had to learn it the hard way, okay, through many ups and downs and reinventing myself, both in business and, as I already shared, in, you know, long-term committed relationship that did not work out as long as I intended it to work out, and all kinds of various reasons. And you mentioned it earlier that it's just what is now. We're just observing what is. We're looking at past experiences, not in a way to label them as bad or I I hate them. I can't believe that happened to me. If I am, you know, responsible for my life and everything that I've created, there's no way I would have created those things. And so there's a there's a skepticism that is in the mind also that many men may have to deal with to actually even allow this kind of information into their consciousness. 
to even get to the place of contemplating that it's even possible to manifest and have what they would love to experience. Mm. Because sometimes we're, as men, we're not even able to contemplate that reality. We have not been taught or allowed to remain in that dream state for very long and to really, you know, fathom the possibility of what could be. Mm. Hope that makes sense. Oh yeah, <laughs> it makes so much sense. And you can apply this in all areas of life, not only romantic relationships, but friendships and family members or uh, your career. And um, it's really impressive how, how a lot of people now start questioning the old system and the way their parents and grandparents uh, used to approach things. And now this generation um, Or it's not really generational, but a lot of people start waking up and, and see, no, I want, I want to follow my, my passion and my heart um, instead of being forced into something that is not going to serve me um, in the long run. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing this. You're using yeah. all the right language, right? Does <laughs> it serve me? Yes. So I want to throw the suggestion out there that the future is not going to be better than the present. The future is just going to be different. Yes. It's just going to be a different and a different experience than what is now, the way it is now. Yes. And if we can hold that in the mind, we take the emotional energy out of the current reality. Yeah. We we don't have to describe the current situation or the current reality as bad or in some negative context. But as soon as we find ourselves saying that the future is going to be better, When I have a certain amount of money in the bank, I'll be able to, or I'll get to do whatever. When I find that spouse of my dreams or a new relationship that I would just love, then I can be a certain way. When I finally, let's say, lose 30 pounds or something, I can become healthy or have that healthful experience. The truth in the quantum physical reality is, is that we need to be it now. We need to act as if that desired result actually already exists. And we actually have to do it in our imagination first. Mm -hmm. Everything that has ever been created has been created twice. Once in the imagination and once in the physical three-dimensional reality. Think mm -hmm. of a car or a building or anything. Look at any example. It was first created in the mind of someone before it actually manifested in the three-dimensional experience. Yeah. Well, and as soon as you say it's going to get better in the future, you're actually saying that right now it's bad and you have resistance and you don't want this. And it's a lot of energy going into the don't want. And if you cannot imagine the goodness already in your life, If the universe just throws you that partner, uh, you know, in front of your feet, you will not believe that you deserve this. If you haven't imagined it before, if you haven't been in that energy of receiving uh, before, you will reject it, even though it's right in front of you. So um, there's a lot of things that we can do already with ourselves in meditation or however you choose to 
to uh, visualize your your future. Um, and that's very empowering to know. Like this is incredible that, yeah, you can read tons of books, you can attend lots of lectures, but you can also start imagining things and visualizing. And that's uh, the first big step already. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to ch share just the four creator stances, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people listening might not know what a creator stance sounds like. They're so in the problem solving reality. And if I say back out of the problem solving and take the creative stance, what does that even mean? What does that even sound like? So it sounds like this. I choose to live my true nature and purpose. Wherever you find yourself, whatever past experience you've had, whatever has been traumatic or abusive or whatever, from this moment, your power rests in your choice. That is the only power that we have in the human experience. When you think about it, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep at night, it is one choice after another. It's one decision after another. And all decisions have, call it a consequence or an outcome, choices produce results. So when you choose, I choose to live my true nature and purpose. I choose to be the predominant creative force in my life. What does that mean? I'm not so reactive. I'm not mm -hmm. responding all the time. I choose to be the predominant creative force in my life by focusing on what I want, not on what I don't want, right? A simple choice of I choose to live the life I love. If I ask most people, what would a life that you love look like? They're like, I don't know. It's because you haven't any, you have not spent any time even contemplating what a life that you would absolutely love. And I like to think of my average perfect week. What am I doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And what are those days comprised of? What does my work look like? What does my family life look like? What does my love life look like? What, what does my health look like in those aspects? What does my average perfect week look like, feel like, test, taste like, smell like? What am I doing in this thing called a life that I love, right? Another one, because a lot of people are challenged with health issues, you know, choosing just to be healthy and vital. And you, be, you may be suffering from cardiovascular disease or diabetes or obesity or, you know, bone loss or dementia or any, I mean, there's so many things that are affecting our physiology. The choice cannot be, oh, I'm going to fix that, or I'm going to beat that, or I'm, let's say I'm going to beat cancer or something. It needs to step out of the problem-solving reality and mentally visualizing infinite health, infinite vitality, focusing on what you do want, the experience that you would just love to experience for no other reason then you want, you would love to experience that. And when we focus that energy on what we want, not on fixing the problem that we find ourselves, we just kind of look at the problem and say, okay, that's just what is now. We become kind of a little bit emotionally unattached from that because we know we create our emotions, we create our thoughts. Ultimately, they are illusions and they're not real, although they feel real. Through our power of choice and choosing what we love, choosing what we want, we shift that focus in that direction and we allow we allow the quantum physical reality of the universe to change what we experience 
Mm. And what, what really shifts it is the changing of the identity. It's really, you know, I choose to live my true nature and purpose, which is to, I am living my true nature and purpose, right? I choose to create the life that I love. I am living the life that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have this field of infinite possibilities and your focus is choosing one of those possibilities to be drawn into your present moment. And mm-hmm. as soon as that possibility comes into the present moment and it moves into the past, the past becomes evidence. And that's where the I am statement comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So most of the personal development movement has always been trying to change the subconscious programming from the conscious mind, meaning positive mental attitude, affirmations, the law of attraction, the secret, all these different things. They're trying to approach the dilemma of less pain and more satisfaction or getting the results that I want from the conscious mind. And what I'm going to share with you is if we go to the superconscious mind and we come into the subconscious program from the superconscious aspect, we don't need to know the details of what's wrong. We don't need to know the what for, the how come. We just focus and ask for what we want. And we ask for this update to the subconscious program. And that shifts the identity. And when the identity shifts from I'm not good enough to I am good enough, like you said earlier, Mm. I will recognize that person standing in front of me as the fulfillment of the relationship that I've been desiring. Mm -hmm. But if the identity never shifts, you won't even recognize it if it's standing right in front of you. The possibility will not even have been drawn into that present moment. This is why it's so important to really get a little bit contemplative here or reflective and and really understanding what is it that you truly desire in your life? Mm. What is it what you truly want? And not based on what other people want for you. This is the dilemma with social media right now. We, many people live their life on likes and shares and they live vicariously through other people's posts and you know, they see the best of someone else's life Mm. and they don't know what to choose. This creates the confusion. I think in the male perspective, sometimes what does it even mean to be a man? And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't mean it it doesn't matter what society or the culture is telling you about what it means to, to be a man. I want men to get into their own being and decide for themselves. Who are you? Who, who actually are you and who were you created to be? Mm. And we have to answer that question for ourselves individually and then choose from that place as to what we want, what we would love to have in our life. Because yeah. we cannot make decisions based on consensus or process of elimination or choose by default. Uh, those are not effective ways to choose the reality that we would love to experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, this this is uh incredible to hear this from you and and to to really see how men must be struggling just as much as women and and then there's another thing when you think about the person realizing okay, this is who I am, but my family is not going to accept me. You know the belonging all of a sudden is being threatened because Now you're not in the equality soup anymore. You are a person with 
a heart, a passion, a desire, and you have to still go for it, even though you will feel lonely at times and, and having to walk alone and um, trust that you will connect with people on that path with the same mission, with same values. But I feel it's not only the, the pressure from society, it's also that feeling, oh, but I want to belong. And if I follow my passion, I will be uh, rejected maybe. And um, it's very scary, but like you say, it's so worth it and it's so necessary in order to create uh, strong societies again. Um, when it comes to like fears, like I've, I mean, you told us that you went through divorce and it was because of infidelity. For you to go back out there after you healed and to trust again and to not approach your new partner with, oh my God, I don't want this to happen to me one more time like were you like very conscious about that like did that fear come up and then how did you manage to approach the situation with your heart and not with your fear-driven ego let's say Yeah. So when I was in the midst of marriage, you know, I was completely faithful and loyal and everything was walled off. There were no other options except for the relationship that I was in and the family that I had. And, you know, I was in the role of provider for that family unit, right. And doing everything that I was quote unquote supposed to do when new information came to light. And, you know, I had these issues in year three of our marriage and sort of kind of fixed that, got over it, forgave it, because I truly made a commitment to that one person. And for me, it was a choice of forever, right? And, you know, it takes two to tango, right? Two people have to be in that same mindset. And when your partner is not in that mindset, or they have other things that they're trying to resolve, at some point, you have to make a decision You know, because at 25 years into a relationship, it was like, okay, I got another whole half a life to go. And am I going to live that life kind of sacrificing myself, not having the experience of intimacy that I choose or being in that loving relationship, you know, that I truly know what it's supposed to look like. I know what it's supposed to feel like, or not even supposed to, but I know what I want. Mm -hmm. I know what I wanted it to be. And it wasn't. So you're right. I mean, you can make the decision at point of not risking it again, not going out there again, shutting down and just, hey, it's safer to play it in a pain-free zone. But it was an opening to, you know, I might get hurt again. I may not initially have the experience that I want. And I'm okay with that because I've, I've experienced pain before. And when you look at emotions like fear or pain or anxiety or depression or any of these things, I, I, I'd like you to notice what they are. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they kind of flow up and they have a peak and they kind of go down. And if we can practice being an observer of our emotions, kind of take that 30, 40, 50,000 foot level on our life and the circumstances that are in our life. And we, we, we detach from the labeling of what is 
and we become just the observer of what is. We basically just see it for what it is, but we don't attach the judgment, the heaviness of the judgment to it. And that is the I should statements or should have or should have been a different way or I could have done this or I could have done that. And we are really good at picking up a stick and beating ourselves over our own head of things that we could have done. And that's focusing on the problem. And many times when we do that, we're focused on a problem that we cannot solve because it's in the past. (laughs) It's just not going to happen, right? And so if we can practice, look, everything is like a muscle. Imagination is like a muscle. You have to practice a little bit. You have to desire and have the intention to be able to imagine, to be able to visualize, to be able to feel in your imagination, right? Because the mind does not know the difference between reality and imagination. And we're recording this right now in Olympic season. And I think of the athletes of how much time they spend in their mind visualizing breaking a new world record, winning the gold medal, beating their competition by one one hundredth of a second. And just the mental exercise is more than the physical exercise of the time spent in the pool or the time spent on the track or all the physical activity. They spend more time imagining winning in their mind. Mm. seeing seeing the finish line, seeing the audience erupt, seeing themselves standing on the metal podium, visualizing themselves in that end result of what they worked so hard for, right? Four years of work to get to an Olympic game. I mean, every day, that visualization, that passion, that, that longing for winning and being mm. that gold medalist, right? Yeah. Well, why don't we do that in our own personal lives? Why don't we do that in imagining an amazing relationship with a partner that is everything you want that partner to be, Mm. right? Mm. Why do we not imagine an experience of abundance and having more than enough in our financial situations? Why do we not imagine ourselves as the epitome of health and vitality and do it in our mind first because we need to become it in order to see it? Right. Mm -hmm. So we do that first step is to take that high altitude view on our life and just see what is and take the responsibility that everything that is has been a creation of our own identity. And it's not bad, wrong, right or anything like that, that what is is what is what is is just what is what has happened is just what has happened. And it's from this moment of choice to choose something different, to choose something from a place where we choose from what we really love, not what we have to, not what we should have, not what my parents are going to approve, my friends are going to approve, all this stuff that's so regular in our choosing reality, but to really back up and say, this is what is, I'm not broken. There's nothing for me to fix from from this moment forward, just as I've chosen in the past, I get to choose now. Mm. And I really have to get clear on what it is I would love to experience. Mm. And as you can feel it already, that takes the emotion out of it, right? Imagine just sitting along the banks of a river 
and you watch the water go down the river and maybe there's uh, some debris in the water. There's a branch floating down. There's a raft maybe floating down. There's things that, that could attract your attention, things that you could investigate. But when you have that observer stance, you're just watching what is and you see it floating by and it may make you feel a certain way. Certain emotions might erupt. Could be a past experience that's floating down the river and you just observe it for what it is. We don't have to get attached. We don't have to follow the emotion that comes up. We just see it for what it is. Let the emotion come full on. Let it, let it immerse yourself. If you're angry, feel the anger. If you're sad, feel the sadness. If you're anxious, feel that anxiousness. And let it pass through you because the more energy that we push on it to keep it away, the more it grows, the bigger it gets, the more serious it gets. And I, I'd like everyone to just try this strategy. The next time you're in a situation of intense emotion, I'm going to say feel it fully. Allow yourself to just be immersed in that emotion. You'll see that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It will dissipate. It will go through you. You will feel it in your body. You will feel the emotion. But when you don't resist it and you just let it go, you'll see that it dissipates. It falls off and it goes away. And then you can be that observer again and just notice what is. Mm -hmm. Notice the way it is now. And the more you ground yourself and you practice being in that place, the more you're in a place of choosing that which you would really love to experience. Mm. Oh, this is so beautiful. I'm so grateful that we connected and that you share this with uh, our audience today. It is uh, lovely how you say going into high altitude. I, I love to say go into birds perspective. It's exactly the same. And we have to, yeah, observe ourselves a little more and take our emotions seriously, but don't engage and attach, just like you said, To, to an nth degree, because this is when you get yeah reactive and, and mm -hmm. confused and lost and frustrated. And yeah, man, this is uh, so wonderful. I feel the time is totally running away. We are at minute 43 already, and we still haven't talked about the five steps of the magnetic I can, I can run I can run those through you real fast right and I was I was going to suggest I was going to suggest we end here and we have another episode about that to okay. really sure. elaborate if you are open to this if your schedule allows um, yes, absolutely but um, for today for people who are in the covid mess financial distress Uh, a lot of negative emotions, uh, social media uh, consumption is at a peak right now, I feel, and the comparisons. Um, what would be uh, two things that you would like people to know, like in a nutshell, to take away from today's um, episode to feel better, to feel more empowered uh, and just, yeah, So number one is, yeah, number one is we need to quiet the noise. Yes. This is step number one. You need to create some quiet time where you can actually listen to your own voice. Many people have trouble being in themselves. I, I mean, in some sense of silence, 
Mm -hmm. We do a lot of talking, but we don't do a lot of listening. And that super conscious side of yourself, you know, has information for you specifically. But if we never listen, we never, you know, delve into and ask what's right for us. And we're always in the confusion of the noise. We can't hear that message. So that's step number one is to really have some personal quiet time. And the benefit of that is no matter what the chaos is in the world, no matter what is going on in the world, you can create the reality that you love. You can create the reality that you desire. So you can actually walk through the midst of chaos and be unaffected. What if that was possible? What if that was a reality that you could experience? Would you love to experience that? And so everybody has to answer that for themselves. But if you never contemplate it, you're never going to have an answer. You're never going to explore that field of possibilities and what you would love or what you could. So some quiet time is the first thing. The second thing is to create a habit of truly valuing yourself. Because it's the oxygen mask thing on a um, airplane, right? You put your oxygen mask on first before you put it on whoever you're traveling with, kids or whatever it is. We, we have to take a stance in that our mental health, our well-being, you know, our optimization and who we are is a priority. Mm. And you have to put your physical, spiritual, emotional well-being in a priority position. It is not a waste of time. It is not subservient to other things in your life. It is primary. And don't feel guilty for it. Yes. You know, for taking time for yourself. If, if you're not good in your own being and you're not clear, what, what good are you really to anyone else? Mm-hmm. You have to shore up your own foundation. You have to be built on a solid ground in order for you to do and be that which you would love to be in this three-dimensional experience, this holographic movie that we live in, right? So that, when you take the world and you look at what's going on, you can get depressed very quickly. You can get emotionally upset very quickly. And unless you take the time to ground yourself in becoming consciously aware of who you are and what you want, you're gonna have pain. And so in order to minimize the pain and to have more satisfaction and go from satisfaction even to mediocrity and from mediocrity to complete pleasure, right? It's a progression. You have to do the basics and you have to do some of the basics consistently. And I'm not purporting a certain, let's say, form of meditation or a certain thing. You need to find what resonates with you. Mm. Such a beautiful closing of this episode. Like from the bottom of my heart, I'm I'm so grateful for connecting with you and for everything you shared here. I know we brought a lot of value to our listeners here and I'm excited to have you back on the show and, and talk more about the, the five steps of the magnetic mind. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 